speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So we come on this morning to the end of the season of Epiphany, a season which is really a series of stories about how people come to see something new about Jesus, come to see who Jesus is, an epiphany, a manifestation as we sang at the beginning, a revelation, maybe a light bulb moment for those of us who think in cartoons, whatever it is, it, uh, it's a series that helps us know Jesus better. And each year, because we read different gospels, the stories are different, but there are certain constants from year to year throughout the season of Epiphany. We always begin on January 6th with the story of the Magi who come and find Jesus and have that particular kind of remarkable revelation. Um, And then the first Sunday after that, we always read the story uh, told in each of the Gospels about... um, (laughs) Bye. Um, (laughs) Told uh, about Jesus' baptism. And then at the end of the season, which varies, the season varies in length, but at the end of the season, we always read the story that you just heard, that rather remarkable story, which I would love Steven Spielberg to render with special effects of Jesus on the mountaintop. And uh, so those are things that we always hear, and we end as we began, because we hear in both of those stories, baptism, transfiguration, The common denominator is this voice that comes from heaven that speaks of belovedness. And that is a voice that uh, brackets the season and and comes comes to us with the good news of who God is. I, I imagine that Jesus needed to hear that voice because in the story of the baptism, uh, it's really about the launch of his public ministry, which begins by him being led out to the desert where he's tested for 40 days. And I always have imagined that that word of belovedness was sort of gave him the fortitude, the resilience to go and do that, to spend that time of challenge in the desert. Similarly, the voice of belovedness that we just heard in the story on the mountaintop comes as Jesus descends, was about to descend from the mountain, as we heard in our colic for today, and heads, makes his journey to Jerusalem and to Holy Week and to all the challenges that uh, attended to that particular experience. And I suspect he needed to hear that voice of belovedness uh, as he launched out on that journey. Um, as he says again and again to the Keystone Cops disciples, knowing exactly where this was headed. I think it's a voice that mattered to Jesus. It says us something, it tells us something true about how we understand who God is and the nature of God because there's a Trinitarian aspect to both of these stories. God speaking to the Son, the Spirit present. And um, it, it, it reminded me that uh, when I was in seminary days, we, we read a lot of what St. Augustine Uh, had to say about the Trinity, um, and he wrote a lot about it. He had very few unexpressed thoughts about what the Trinity is all about, and I understood a little bit of it, a lot just I lost. But here's what I remember. He said the Trinity is essentially about love. It is about the one who loves 
and the one who is loved and the love that goes between them. And we see that presence in these stories. God the Father sharing love with the Son who is beloved, the love that goes between them. It's maybe where our presiding bishop got this idea that he says repeatedly, if it's not about love, it's not about God. And that love, that belovedness is at the heart of our faith. And the thing I wanted to share this morning is that that we are not just eavesdropping on conversation in these stories. We are not um, uninvolved spectators in this message of belovedness because I believe that we uh, can hear that voice of belovedness spoken to us as well. And like most of the things I say in sermons, it's not original. It comes from a wonderful classic book that I commend to you for the Lenten season, uh, written by a guy named Henry Nowen, a pastor and a priest, who wrote a book called Life of the Beloved. It's his attempt to explain, he was a chaplain at an Ivy League school, forget whether he was at both Yale and Harvard, I forget which one, I think this was at Yale, and he had a young student from the Upper West Side of New York, a secular young kid, who asked him to explain what the Christian faith was about. And, and Henry Nowen wrote this book, and it says it's basically about hearing this voice spoken to you, the life of the beloved, hearing God say to you that you are my beloved child. And all the rest is kind of commentary, seeing that that idea that we are on the receiving end of God's love is definitive of who we are and equips us for what lies ahead, the challenges, time in the desert, heading to the challenges of Holy Week, bearing our cross, all of that comes to us, beloved. Now, Henry Nouwen may have stolen that idea. It's really St. Paul saying, we are the body of Christ. If we are the body of Christ, we are the beloved. It's Teresa of Avila saying, we are the hands and feet of Christ in the world. If that is true, we are the beloved. It's what our prayer book says, that every one of us, every one of us, In every one of us, Christ is present, so we are the beloved. And it seems to me that equips us for making our way in the world in the face of challenges that all come to us. We we can know that we are loved without condition, that unlike the ways most of us are raised, we don't have to prove that to anybody, that that is a given, that that grace exists for us and with us and through us, equipping us for what God has for us to do in days ahead. In the spirit of St. Paul who said there is nothing, and he was absolute, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So what's the so what factor? Where do we take this? First of all, I think this voice of belovedness comes to us in our individual lives and equips us for the inevitable challenges that will come our way that allows us to move forward, not having to uh, earn love the old-fashioned way, but to know that that love is a given and strengthens us for whatever lies ahead in our journey of faith. So that in our families and in our workplace and even maybe in our church, we don't need to prove that we are worthy of love. That's the base, that's our safety net, that's our foundation. 
And given that, we're given the strength to move forward to be givers and to show love wherever we go. So it's a message for us as individuals. The voice of belovedness is a message for us as a congregation in a time of transition because there may be anxiety about that and we don't know what lies ahead. And so we come and we say together that we know that a bottom line of this place is that as a community that celebrates the love of God and God will be with us and for us and work through us in days ahead, whatever the future holds. I wish you all knew my grandmother. Her name was Grace, which was awesome, and you would have liked her. She's been with Jesus for a while. But when I was growing up, she would always remind me of this hymn came from her tradition. So we may not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. And she sort of left that to me as a parting gift. And that is true for this congregation in this time of transition as we think about what God has next for this place um, that has such a powerful call to share that voice of belovedness in a city that needs to hear it. And then finally, as part of the wider church, I think we're called to hear that voice of belovedness and to be the beloved community. Our presiding bishop is leading us in that way to think about all the ways that in our world, belovedness is in short supply and we need to bring that belovedness to racial reconciliation, to creation care, to sharing the good news in evangelism. All of those ways are ways that we as a wider community, the church around the world, can be that voice. I can't help but think um, of how our former president, who's now gone into hospice care, has shown the world what that kind of servant leadership can be. How you can just simply be a person of peace and service and hope, politics aside, showing what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be part of the Jesus movement. And we can lift up that example and say that that's what we are each called to do based on the foundation that we are the beloved. So as you journey through Lent, as you think about maybe what desert or wilderness you're about to enter, or what way you have to bear a cross as you move, as we move together towards Holy Week, carry with you this voice of belovedness and hear God saying it not only to Jesus, but saying it to you and me and all of us together. Amen.